we find that engineers like 90 degree angles um, and animals don't. The other thing is we have to put ourselves in the position of the animal that we're moving when we're when we're making these things or when we're designing these things. One of the things uh, I'll get called, we can't get, we cannot get animals to move out of this loading chute. No matter what we do, they just won't load out of this one building down here. It's time for a new era of communication in the swine industry. One that you can get the latest updates while commuting or driving to farms. Here you will have the brightest minds of the global swine industry in your pocket. Swine It Podcast is only possible with the support of forward-looking and innovative companies like Zinpro, Essential Trace Minerals, Exceptional Performance. Ivonic, we are sciencing the global food challenge. Healthy Farms by Bioverse, your manure management experts. Swine management to the next level. Cloudfarms.com. Hello, everyone. I'm Laura Greiner, your host for today's Swine It podcast. And with me today, I have Jason McAllister, who is the president of Cloverleaf Animal Welfare Systems. Jason, how are you tonight? I'm doing fine. Thank you. Well, we're certainly glad to have you on this evening. Um, before we jump into the topic at hand, uh, if you could give our audience a little bit of background about yourself, that would be great. Well, uh, I'm Jason McAllister. I'm the uh, president and owner of Cloverleaf Animal Welfare Systems. Uh, it was a company I started in 2017. Um, I have a great team uh, that works with me. We, we have locations in the U.S., Mexico, Chile, and Brazil. Um, we are uh, focused on animal welfare, animal welfare education, and animal welfare certification of companies. Um, before that, and sometimes during that, I was the director of animal welfare for Triumph Foods in St. Joseph, Missouri. And I worked for Tyson and IBP before that since the early 90s as a livestock handler, buyer, supervisor, you know, all of those roles. This episode's sponsored highlight is about Evonik Animal Nutrition. Evonik stands for a holistic and sustainable value proposition for livestock production. It combines products and services and leverages digital solutions. This is all backed with high-value consultancy and deep customer understanding. Evonik turns science-based efficient nutrition, sustainable healthy nutrition, and precision livestock farming into value for customers and consumers. Well, great. Thank you for that introduction. Um, one, one thing I think that's kind of interesting to me or something I'm curious about is you've been working for so many years in the meat industry. What led you to now become an owner of an animal welfare company? Well, um, you know, I'm really passionate about animal welfare. I think it, that it, it is, it's, it's such a great way um, to improve the lives of the animals, the people that are handling those animals. And then, at, you know, as I, the farther I get into this, the more that I find that it, it, it actually not only changes the lives of the animals, but the people, but then the final product it is so much, is so much different uh, when, when animals are handled correctly. So just that being able to, to produce a good product, I, um, I got my start in a, in a mom and pop shop in, and big town of Gilberville, Iowa. Shout out to Gilberville Locker. Uh, so we, um, 
I understand customer service and that customer meet quality interaction. And that, that has always kind of led me to, to um, be um, doing this. And, and I do as um, I, I do love to teach. I, I think that teaching is one of my, is one of my passions and bringing that together has been really, really successful and fun for me. Mm-hmm. Oh, very good. So I think that's important. You're talking about teaching and education around welfare, and you've obviously been around the world with, with some of the different locations that you're involved in today. What would you say is our, our biggest challenge, if you will, around that education piece of animal welfare? Well, that's a great question. And, and it's one that I'm, I'm super passionate about when I, when I talk about this. And I think that especially in the U.S., um, outside of the U.S., uh, you see it at different levels, but still the same problem. But in the U.S. especially, what we see is huge systems with great program writing, great uh, – they've got a robust systematic approach to animal welfare. They've got good good observation. We still find that down to the level of the person, what I, who I always say is the one wearing the dirty boots, um, is getting that information and that understanding and that knowledge down to those folks from from way up on top doesn't always connect. And and I think that it it's it's very obvious to me that unless that connection is made. That, that perfect, that beautiful understanding, that great program that we have at, at high levels, if, unless it can translate to, to changing the behaviors and the way that the handlers handle animals, um, it doesn't change the life of that animal and it doesn't change the life of the handler. And so it's, it's um, you know, it, it's a pretty program, but it's not fixing anything. And so my push and my company's push for education is to get that translate that amazing programs that are out there. And and I have seen some really good programs worldwide. Um, but to translate that from the clean boots down to the dirty boots and get those and where it can actually make a change in the animal and that, and the person, the handler's life and, and uh, the quality of the meat ultimately. Well, let's let's go back into that a little bit more. You you talk about translating that information from one level to the other. What does that look like? Is that monthly meetings on the farm? Is it different types of handouts? What what exactly are you, do you think works most effectively? Well, that's that's the thing. It it, it cannot. I, I've never been able to find a system where it's it's where one approach works. It has to be kind of a multiple multiple direction of, approach or attack to the problem. The, you see, the problem is humans. Um, humans think like humans, right? We we tend to think like we think, and we tend to project our thoughts onto the animals that we're handling. And what we have to train handlers to do is to understand how the animal thinks. We have to translate not only this good program, like, you know, it, it's a basic rule. We don't, we don't kick or hit animals. Okay. That's, that's easy enough to translate, but how do I get to the point where Joe Handler understands what the animal is going to do when, when Joe does this, what will the animal do? And how does he know 
He has to understand the animal. He has to understand its natural tendencies, and he has to understand how that animal perceives the world around it. And in order for me to do that, I have to teach Joe about that animal, right? I, I can't just give him a set of rules and say, Joe, don't do this. Don't do that. Yes, do this, do that. Because Joe being a good guy, he'll do that. But when Joe gets frustrated, and he will because animals aren't doing what he wants them to do because he doesn't understand how they work, right? Then he's he's going to have frustrated events. And frustrated events are in our industry lead to bad videos being released. They turn into, you know, a, a bad outcome for the animal, a bad outcome for the handler and, and the company. And, and so that's what I mean about translating that down to, to the handler is getting that understanding and that knowledge, that base knowledge of the animals that they're handling down to the handler where you get that, oh, uh, that aha moment. The, the one that I had, I don't, too many years ago to say, but, I, I, you know, I had that moment where I understood finally what I should be thinking about. And, and, and the quarterly training and the yearly training and the three-year training, those are all good and those are all needed. But the core understanding of the animals that I'm handling is important for me to be able to translate those things, those rules, those regulations, those, those guidelines, SOPs, into my everyday handling experience. Yeah, I think you bring up some very good points there. And, and one that keeps coming into my mind is those of us who grew up on farms, grew up around animals, we have years advantage over those that are just coming into the industry as, as new individuals wanting to be a part of the industry. And so how do we help help them evolve fairly quickly? Because they're going to be put right into those situations of working with animals. And, and so how do we help make that transition a little bit faster and smoother for those individuals? I... I... I honestly believe that educating those those people, especially uh, in in the understanding of the animal that they're handling, is really the only way to be successful in that. Um, you can teach them about, you know, different techniques, and and I think we've made some really good starts with with the three with the blind spot and the flight zone and the point of balance, and those are real basic things for people to understand, and and every handler should understand those and use those to their advantage. But how do those things work in relation? One of the problems that I run into, especially, um, and, and you, you brought up something that we grew up on a farm. Our, I grew up on a farm. I hear that. I did not. But I hear that a lot. I grew up on a farm. I've been handling animals my whole life, Jason. I think I know what I'm doing. And, and, and for the most part, they, they have a really good idea. They, they have a really good system. Most of the time, they have a great system of what they're doing, but it doesn't always translate well for the animal itself. Because you can do something doesn't mean you should, and there, or there's not a better way. And so educating everybody on that, on that path or, or, understanding what I find is those folks, they go, oh, you know what? I've been doing that my whole life. I just didn't know why I did it. I, I didn't understand why that is. The flip side of that is they have um, moments where they say, you know, they, 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 don't, they don't say it out loud, but they think 
I'm doing this every day, every day, every day. I move the same group of animals in here, and I don't understand why these animals do not understand what I want, except it's not the same group of animals. It's a different group of animals every day. You're moving somebody through uh, uh, with different animals with different experiences prior to, and, um, you know, all of these things are, 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 are variables, but to the handler, we walk through the same barn every day. We, we load the same, the same trucks every week, you know, every, every three months, we, we do this over and over. It's repetitive and it, it gets to be um, like we were handling boxes at, at Amazon, but we're not right. We're handling boxes that have a mind of their own and, and think and have, you know, feelings and mind and, and, and memories of, of being handled properly or improperly in the past or fear responses. So it, it, it can be kind of complex. Um, but it really, I, I think the key to it all is asking your, asking your student to step outside of their normal human thinking, shut that off. And I want you to think like you're a pig today. If what, what would, what would the pig do in this situation? This is one of the questions I ask. Um, and, and then circling that big wagon back all the way back around, we, we come at that with a multi multifaceted approach. We, we use reading and, and knowledge for, for those folks that understand and comprehend to, to read. And then we show people stand up and, and do, you know, physical in at reenactments. I, I mean, I, I put my pig ears on and, you know, I have people move me around the room with sorting boards. It, it's hilarious. People love to do that. But really what it gets is that it gets that person thinking like the animal, right? What the animal's going to do now. If I do this, what is the animal going to do? And um, that's, that's really the key is not only understanding, but then understanding that you have to um, step outside your normal human behavior because pigs aren't normal humans, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> they're funny humans. The they're just <laughs> funny, strange humans. They, they have pretty a lot of the same tendencies. It's a little scary sometimes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Swine It Podcast is only possible with the support of forward-looking and innovative companies like Jestall, always one step ahead in swine feeding. Adiseo is a worldwide leader in animal nutrition, providing nutritional solutions and services which fuel predictable profits. AB Vista, new nutritional perspectives and novel enzyme applications to drive pig production. Genesis, the first power in genetics. One of the things I saw one time on, it was actually on training dogs. So I have a, a dog I've trained last year or so. And there was a video once that showed what a dog sees when you take your dog for a walk, right? And why your dog might get distracted this way or that way. And is there such a thing for pigs? Do we have those videos? Um, I I don't know if there is or not, but it'd be a great thing to have. I, I agree. One of the things I tell people when I'm trying to teach uh, how to move pigs or young piglets uh, is like a, if I say if you had a group of two year olds that you were trying to 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 bring this whole group of two year olds down this this drive alley here and you wanted them to go forward but you couldn't talk to them because 
they don't speak English. So uh, this is what your your job is, right? And and then these two year olds, they they go down the alley and they stop and they look at every shadow or every light or every coat hanging on the fence. They stop. You know, it depends on who I'm talking to. If it's a group of ladies, I say drunk men. And, and, and you know, that gets their attention. Like, oh, drunk men, when there's fishing fishing equipment or hunting gear on both sides of the fence, right? And they're going to stop and look at everything. So it, it, it really is um, just trying to find the way to bridge that gap or translate the things that you, you need the handlers to know. So it... There is no, I, I wish I could just give you a, a, a pin drive with all my handouts on it and you, and you say, okay, give everybody these handouts and everything's great. But um, that's, that's not, that, that's really not where we're at in the world today. We're, we're in a different place. We were there 15 years ago. That was top of the line for animal handling and animal welfare education. Um, in today's world, we're not there anymore. We're, we're at a deeper level. Handlers are moving moving animals in a way that um, is light years ahead of where I started, you know, 30, 30 years ago. Uh, when I walked into my first big plant, and I won't say the name, but some of you know, um, they handed me a prod, a 12-inch cattle prod, and a 24-inch canvas slapper and said, go to work. That was it. Those those were my instructions. You're 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 between this gate and that gate. Keep the animals moving. There was a few cuss words thrown in there, but I'll leave them out for today's recording. Um, you know, but in today's world, handlers are light years ahead of that, right? There's, or they should be. Um, there's a lot of a lot of good stuff that's available out there. Um, two two handlers that didn't exist when I started. Absolutely. One of the things I, I was just in a farm not that long ago, and we were having this conversation around moving animals. And um, one of the conversations kind of came back to is, should we be treating pigs in their movements the same way we treat cattle? Do you see that similarity across those two species or are they different? No, they're, I, they're absolutely different. And that's, one of the things we have trouble teaching is folks that come from one species and go to the other um, because of each, each one of those species moves completely different. We have some facilities that move uh, some harvest facilities that do multiple. They'll do uh, cattle in the morning and swine in the afternoon and trying to teach that can be very challenging because pigs absolutely act like pigs and cows act like cows. And when you, when you try to try to put anything together in, in the same, it, it just never seems to work out. Um, yeah. It, even down to the way you design the way, way you design lead ups and shoots and alleyways and everything else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that was actually my next question is you're, you've been involved in audits and, and these investigations or, or activities with farms and trainings and, when you look at facilities today, are there some common maybe pitfalls that we should try to avoid when we're building or redesigning something like a loading chute or an alleyway that you would recommend that we do today? Yeah. It, I mean, 
Uh, Temple says that we, we have to keep talking about the same stuff because we just have to keep talking about the same stuff. One of the things that I find, um, it, I mean, it's good for business because people hire me to come and fix problems, but I would prefer if, you know, they were non-existent. But we, we find that engineers like 90-degree angles um, and animals don't. Um, the other thing is we have to, we have to put ourselves in the position of the animal that we're moving when we're, when we're making these things or when we're designing these things, one of the things, uh, I'll get called, we can't get, we cannot get animals to move out of this loading chute. No matter what we do, they just won't load out of this one building down here. And you, I walk in the building and the first thing I do is get dirty hands and knees because I get down on all fours and look from the point of view of the animal that they're trying to load out. And I can generally find the problem within just a few minutes. And, and I, I hate to give up my, my business secret, but there it is. It's, it's not a secret. Look from the, from the animal's point of view, you'll see what they're distracting. The other thing Temple always tells everybody, and, and, and I'd like to take credit for some of this stuff, but I, I don't get to, is really just watch the animals. If you stop, if you watch, step out of the handling, you can't do it while you're handling or working. But if you step out of the handling and you watch the animals as they're being moved, what you'll see is the animals tell you what the problem is. They look at it. An animal that's not being, that's not in a, in a panic fear response, right? So if you just move an animals calmly through a system, the animal will stop and show you all of the distractions. It will look. Oh, there's a hose on the ground. Oh, there's a coat over there. There's air blowing in my face. There's light sunshine coming in. And the the animals um generally aren't figured in when we're when we're building. And I we actively have contractors out there today that will tell you yes, we've we have talked with so-and-so or, or TG or whoever, and our designs are great. And we, we're taking animal handling into consideration, but I encourage you, if you're building, to do these things yourself. Make sure that they're right. Mm -hmm. Is there a reference that they can go to today that would help them know those, those ideas or those maybe engineering pieces? So example, how wide should the alleyway be in a wean to finish barn? Is there something out there that they can use today? Yeah, there's there's all kinds of stuff um, on on uh, on Temple's website. She gives all of that stuff away. Um, I've never felt the need to replicate it because it's there. So um, there there's all of that, and there's, there's folks that can help you with it. I mean, you can give us a call, but you can you can give all kinds of people a call that that have. Uh, you know, a lot of good working knowledge of animal handling out there. And um, uh, the uh, pork checkoff does a great job of, of providing stuff like that for uh, for producers and, and uh, folks. So I encourage you to use the resources provided by pork checkoff. They are amazing. There, there's a lot of great stuff out there. So much stuff that uh, I'm not I'm not sure I've been through it all. So uh, good stuff. Absolutely. One of the other things I'm going to kind of go back to the the training piece a little bit, and and I agree 
being the pig is really one of the best ways to see what's going on. And I've, I've done that myself. I've sat in alleyways and try to figure out what the pig is shying from if we're at a corner or whatever. Um, but I, I still kind of go back. I've, I've worked with people from, from different um, areas around the world and they, they come from different beliefs, if you will, about how we handle animals. And maybe some of those beliefs are similar to what you and I dealt with 30 years ago. So how do we help move that group over into this animal handling, animal welfare perspective quicker? If you if, Maybe quicker is not the right word, but get them on the same page as where we want them to be if they're, if they're here in the U.S. So um, we've, we've spent a lot of time working with folks outside of the U.S. And, and with folks coming in to work in the U.S. market. We currently teach classes on to get folks prepped and ready for the U.S. Uh, farm market. And, and really what it's going to take is um, a, a solid commitment from the management from the top all the way down on, on the side of the farm and the producer that it, it is understood what the values are of the top person in the company. Everybody, everybody uh, wants to make their boss happy. I, I don't care who you are. If you're the janitor or you're the CEO and you're answering to a board, you, you still want to make the people that you report to happy. It, it's human nature. And that back to Joe, you know, handler, he wants to make, you know, his boss happy as well. And so if his boss truly believes in, in animal handling and animal welfare and the things that we're talking about, that will translate down to Joe, no matter what's going on. Um, but what we see is um, the first time you cut a corner or, the, or you, you say, well, it, we'll do that tomorrow. We'll, that doesn't matter today. Then it doesn't matter anymore. Right? You have to build that culture culture, and you have to hold that culture, especially in those workers that are coming into the U S their, their want to please the boss is very high. Their, their customer service is spectacular. They want to make you, they want to do whatever you want to do. And so if you want to do animal welfare and, and handle animals correctly all of the time, so will they. If you want to be expeditious and get animals loaded as fast as you can and reduce cost and do this and this and that, they'll also do that for you. So my suggestion is build that culture from the top down and then hold your ground. If, if that's what you believe in, that's the way it should be. That's the way it will be. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's great advice. And I think that does a nice job of, of really wrapping up what we've been talking about. It goes along with the education and creating that that set of standards from the beginning and then making sure we we get that into people's hands, but then also have the opportunity to work with them in person and help explain why we're doing what we're doing and helping them see it from the pig's perspective rather than just from the handler's perspective. So I do greatly thank you for that that conversation, Jason. That was very uh, informative for our audience. It is time to our famous three. A worldwide leader in animal nutrition, Adiseo's portfolio of products includes methionine, the full range of vitamins, enzymes, organic selenium, probiotics, 
mycotoxin management strategies, and palatability products. With such a diverse offering, Adiseo supports its customers with a broad range of expertise, tools, and services to help them maintain a competitive advantage. Adiseo, fueling predictable profits. To learn more, visit Adiseo at www.adiseo.com. Genesis is the largest independent producer of high, healthy, registered purebred swine on the globe, having over 80% of all registered purebred breeding stock in Canada. The Genesis genetic program uses genomic selection strategies focused on productivity, faster growth, efficiency, high yield, and meat quality. To know more, go to genesis.com. That's G-E-N-E-S-U-S dot com. For knowledge and news from the global swine industry, access our partner, thepigsite.com. And I'm going to kind of switch gears now as we're wrapping up our time and ask you a couple of questions that we like to ask all of our guest speakers. The first one really involves around any swine resources that you would recommend to the audience today, or what would be your favorite swine resource? Well, I, I, I guess I'm going to be an ad for the National Pork Boards <laughs> today, but I, I, I really do. I really can't say enough good things about uh, about their the products that they provide, the training, the tools, the education, and the outreach that they do. Um, it, it is a super tool, and um, yeah, that would be my my suggestion. Uh, there's a lot of folks out there doing doing the thing, um, teaching courses, doing all kinds of good stuff. Here's one. Um, so if, if you're, if you're looking for stuff like that, I'll be a shameless toot my own horn there. We're, we're glad to help you as well. So. Perfect. How about something that's not related to pigs? Is there anything that you're currently reading that you think would be useful to the audience? Um, yeah. So there's a, a new paper that Temple Grandin just published. I talked about her quite a bit today too. Um, but she just published on um, the sustainability of grazing animals, and and that is a really good piece, especially if you've got folks in your life who are telling you that uh, animal agriculture is hurting the environment or um, things like that. Uh, I would encourage you to read up on that, and you'll have some some really nice talking points the next time you have one of those conversations. Is this a book, or is this just a like a published? manuscript. Uh, it's a published white paper. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Perfect. I'll have a, let our audience kind of explore that and see if they can find that. That's a great recommendation. The last question we like to ask really kind of, is, it's a personal question. If you can think of someone in your life that you define as successful, what would be a trait that they possess that you think's allowed them to be successful? You know, I think that um, the ability to adapt I can think of some uh, several people uh, actually, but the ability to adapt and adjust your opinion and your ideas um, and, and the way you approach things when you're presented with new knowledge or new facts, that that's one of the most um, important things in my opinion about success. If um, you know, you can continue to, to keep trying, keep trying, keep trying, but um have the ability to admit you when you were wrong and adjust your adjust your thinking accordingly. I think is a is a key trait of a successful person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a very good trait to have for sure. 
Well, Jason, I do want to thank you again for your time today. Uh, for our audience, again, this is Jason McAllister, and Jason is president of Cloverleaf Animal Welfare Systems. Jason, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for having me. Imagine if with a few key concepts, you could have the potential to create a massive positive impact for swine producers. Join this small group and go to the next level of nutrition on this online training in applied swine nutrition and feeding by Dr. Marcio Gonsalves and his world-class invited swine nutritionists. Additionally, you will enjoy an exclusive community to network and exchange ideas. Go now to EliteSwineNutritionist.com.